What's going on, guys? And welcome to Military Cash Flow. What's going on with you, Mike? How you doing? Man, living my best life, man. We're doing a lot of deals, and I'm working on that move to Charlotte, man. We're working on that move, man. So it's it's well, obviously by the time this records, I should already be there. But yeah, we're going out there. So for any investors trying to meet me up in Charlotte, North Carolina, let me know, man. We got five properties rolling. Um, yeah, that's enough. What about you, man? We're about to do a lot of things out there. So I mean, oh, you're yeah. about to do a lot of things out there. So I'm really excited for you, man. I'm really excited for you. So me, uh, I'm still over uh, overseas right now. I'm just kind of uh, hanging out. The cool thing is I have my wife here with me. So yep. that's pretty cool. Um, right now we are, uh, we have a few months before we go back to the States and uh, we're looking at duplexes to buy back in Savannah. So oh, if you're nice. Watching this, if you got some pocket listings or something like that, um, we're gonna we're gonna do the whole house hacking. We've talked several times about you know buying buying a home. We renovate the home and then Airbnb the other side out or rent the other side out. And I get to keep all my BAH. Well, both of us get to keep all our BAH. So it's a uh, it's a freaking super win, super wealth build. You know, so that's uh, that's what we're working on right now. And we're just doing going through the. Um, you know, going through the anal analysis phase pretty much. So right, right. that's, that's what we're working on right now. And, uh, that's pretty much it, man. So Just you guys that. are basically on vacation because you're with the missus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like just on a European vacation. And then, uh, yeah, that Savannah market is amazing out there. So we're excited to see, you know, how that's going to turn out. And, and, uh, I tell you what, one thing that we do, guys, is for everybody listening, we we love to to network and network and network, right? So here in Fayetteville, we host the Pints of Properties. When I get to Charlotte, we're gonna host the Pints of Properties, and I'm hoping in Savannah we can start Pints of Properties. But if you guys are looking for anything, our events, our books, our content, our tools, our courses, you can find everything on militarycashflow.com, right? And so by the time this airs, we should have you know a lot of stuff going on on there. So definitely check that out. Yeah, but uh... today's episode, uh, we are going to be discussing some awesome things. We're talking about the military apartment investing journey. Yeah. So uh, there's a there's a lot to us. Mike, you want to you want to touch on some of that? Yeah, man. It, I mean, Brian covers so much about uh, his journey. Uh, first off, starting with taking missions to a you know another country and how that led him to the military somehow. And then miraculously, through his journey in the military, he decided, hey, apartments is going to be the way out. And guys, he's going to cover how he bought four properties, over 168 doors, in less than two years. So I know you guys are tired of hearing us talking, so let's jump right to it. Hey, how's it going? This is Dan Wynn. And Mike Glassby. And this is the Military Cashflow Podcast, where we teach service members how to build wealth and create passive cash flow through real estate. We cover real deals, real numbers, and real lessons learned from other successful investors. Now, whether you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening on the podcast, we need you to like, share, and subscribe. Now, let's get started creating this military cash flow. What's going on, guys? This is Dan Wynn. And Mike Glassby. And welcome to Military Cash Flow. Hey, today we got a special guest. We got uh, Brian Briscoe, Mr. Brian Briscoe on the line with us with Four Oaks Capital. Um, he's coming on, he's gonna tell his story. Uh, Brian, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Uh, give us a little bit about your background, where you're from, what you do and things like that. Yeah, yeah, sure thing. Um, you know, right now I'm a Marine Corps Lieutenant Colonel working at the Pentagon. Uh, you know, and since this is a military, you know, cash flow podcast, I'll, I'll highlight that part first. But uh, uh, right now I'm a foreign area officer. You know, I, I'm a Latin American foreign area officer. So basically anything that, uh, you know, headquarters Marine Corps in, intersects with, you know, South America or North Central America, North America, you know, I'm, I'm involved in that. Um, so that's, that's where I'm at right now. Uh, I was born and raised in the Salt Lake City area, you know, went uh, to the University of Utah, got two degrees there. You know, took a small break from from school when I was 19 to serve a mission for my church, and um, wanted to be a college professor for the longest time. You know, so ever since I was, you know, probably 15 years old, I thought, you know, I want to be a, I, I like teaching, um, I want to be a college professor. You know, I kind of decided that early on, and you know, started to put all my eggs in that basket. So you know, bachelor's degree in math, master's degree in math, and. Uh, decided I wanted to get a PhD in math. Um, along the way, uh, kind of funny. I mean, I, I had this, this, you know, one of those aha moments, the little light bulb going off. 
you know, if you've ever been to college and you look at your math professors, they're, they're really smart is, is what I'll say. They're just very smart, you know, and I kind of looked around and I'm like, you know, I want their job, but I don't want to be like any of these guys. You know, I like them. They're good people and they know a lot and they're good teachers, but I don't want to be like them. And, and in the back of my head, I thought, you know, if I do exactly what they did, I will end up being like they are. And that kind of scared me. And I thought, okay, I need to do something besides, you know, sit around, you know, math professors telling, you know, jokes about, you know, stupid math concepts, you know, but, uh, uh, so I, I started looking at the reserves and, you know, I thought, okay, this is, this is a broadening experience. It's going to exercise a lot more than my brain. You know, I'll, I'll be more physical, physically challenged. I'll be, you know, my, my leadership abilities will be challenged. Um, and I'll be able to give back to, to the country. So got into the Marine Corps reserves was a 92 day reservist, which means I went to boot camp, did not go to an MOS school. And went to boot camp and I went straight back to college. Started a PhD program at the University of Minnesota. And um, this was August 2001. So late August 2001, I checked into school, to the PhD program. And I remember September 7th, 2001, I was checking into my reserve unit. It was a Friday. Okay. And I, I go to the first sergeant. I'm PSC Briscoe at the time, you know. So um, quite frankly, I didn't know the difference between officer and enlisted, you know. So I didn't know that a college degree would let me go to OCS and be an officer. And frankly, I didn't know the difference between, you know, being a PFC and a second lieutenant at the time. Um, I did it after boot camp, but you know, PFC Briscoe goes into the first sergeant's office with his check-in sheet and he starts asking me questions like, what are you going to school for? You know, I'm like, well, I'm in a PhD program. He drops his pencil and he looks at me. He's like, you're what? I'm like, yeah, I'm in a PhD program. He's like, are you serious? He's like, you're a freaking PFC. I'm like, yeah, I'm in a PhD program. He's like, why are you not an officer? And I'm like, because I just wanted to be a Marine first sergeant. You know, it was just like, <laughs> I never really thought of that. And he literally handed me my check-in sheet back, wrote on a post-it, a phone number. He's like, this is the number of the officer selection office. He's like, before I sign your check-in sheet, you need to go talk to these guys. He's like, don't worry. They're about a 15 minute drive away no problem. You get there, get back and, and we get things taken care of. So, you know, long story short, um, at the end of the conversation with the officer selection officer, he asked me a question. He's like, would you rather be a Marine officer or a college professor? I looked at him. I said, college professor done, you know, got my check-in sheet signed and went about my merry way. And obviously, you know, Tuesday, September 11th, you know, changed a lot of things. Um, you know, shortly after that date, I called the officer selection officer back up and it said, Hey, you remember me? I'm like, yeah, I remember you. I'm like, I uh, changed my mind. I, I want to come out, come down and fill out the paperwork. So I filled out the paperwork to, to go to OCS, um, to go active duty. And, you know, the, the rest is history. So, um, been active duty since roughly January, 20, 2002 is when I started OCS. And, um, you know, right now I'm about a year away from retirement. When you squeeze all my reserve time in, you know, I'll, I'll retire. I'll be on terminal leave this time next year. So that's awesome. Well, yeah. So to kind of go back a little bit, I, I had, I have to do this. You said math jokes and it yeah. reminds me of the, uh, the key and peel high on pop news. Yeah. Ah, all the guys that get it is going to get that one. <laughs> hey, yeah. sorry, I, had to... <laughs> I mean, there, there, there's a lot of math jokes that I would love to tell you guys, but yeah. you, you probably wouldn't. I mean, we wouldn't get it. We wouldn't. Yeah. Get it. <laughs> I mean, my, my sister-in-law has this great shirt. She, she's got a couple of degrees in physics, you know, it has what are called Maxwell's equations on it. You said, and the Maxwell's equations govern light and how light propagates, you know, and there, there's four equations and it says, and God said, and then there's the equations and there was light, you know, so it was just one of those, like, you know, God's a mathematician. I thought it was hilarious, but you guys are looking at me like, you know, I've got the third eye on my forehead, but uh, yeah. Oh, that's a so, perfect dad joke. That's a perfect dad joke. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those where, you know, you got a bunch of equations, people who know, look at it and laugh, yeah. people who don't know, look at it and like, that's, that's the dumbest shirt I've ever seen. You know, yeah, we're, so. we're gonna have some uh we're gonna have some people out there listening to the show like dude i thought this was be our real estate what are these guys talking the about like, <laughs> and there, there's gonna be one guy that's just like oh my gosh that's crying and laughing yeah so <laughs> so, so yeah. you went through a lot um um and to cover a few different things 
uh, one thing that you hit on that kind of happens more often than not is there's people that join the military for the simple fact that they want to you know maybe travel they want to explore mm -hmm. they want to get that college benefit to help with their education but nobody the recruiter's supposed to but nobody really guides them through their options and mm -hmm. guides them of the different things that they can do so when you join can you kind of just touch on that again what was the what was the kind of driving factor for you to join the service like what was what was your call you know, it, it was mostly, um, I remembered back, I remember meeting a guy, you know, and this was, you know, I said I was a missionary for my church, and this was northern Chile, and we had a big conference together. I remember I wasn't even in the conversation, but I was sitting close to two guys talking, and one guy was a Marine Reservist, you know, he was, um, he was an infantryman, I know exactly, I mean, he was in the, the Salt Lake City um, Reserve Unit, which is, you know, Fox 223, so a line infantry company. And he was talking about being a reservist, you know, it's just something that, you know, that, that was the first time I ever really, really heard about it. And, you know, so, so later on, like I said, when I'm, when I'm realizing that, you know, I want to be a complete person, not just, you know, you have a, an 80 pound brain. I started remembering that conversation. You know, I started to remember him telling, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's one weekend a month, two weeks a year, you know, we do this and we do that. And, you know, and he was talking about, you know, the exercises they would do, you know, the, the infantry training type things they would do, you know, running around the woods with a rifle type stuff. And, uh, you know, so there, there was, there was a lot of reasons, you know, the other, the other thing that I'll, I'll mention is, you know, spending two years in, in Chile, I mean, just made me appreciate what we have here in the United States, you know, and, and Chile is not a third world country, you know, it's classified as an upper income country. But just to see the drastic difference between what the average Chilean has as far as opportunities versus what the average American has, I mean, there is no comparison, you know. And, you know, sometimes my, my daughters used to use the, uh, the phrase, um, you know, first world problems on a lot of things. You know, I lived in Brazil with them for a while, and, you know, they've seen a lot of the, a lot of the world that most people haven't. You know, they've been to Brazil, they've been to Mexico, they've been to you know, several other places where they, they've seen what poverty looks like. And they would talk about first world problems. And a lot of stuff that we're dealing with right now are quite frankly, first world problems. You know, everybody here has, I mean, almost everybody in the, in the United States has food to eat and shelter over their heads, you know? And I saw the difference between Chile and here. And I'm like, you know what? I've been taking everything for granted for a long time, you know? So, um, I was actually not a very good student prior to my mission. And when I came home, it was just like, you know what? I have a scholarship. I am not going to screw that up. You know, and I got, I got straight A's through college after that point, you know, and it's just one of those things like um, realizing how good we have it here gave me the, the desire to give back in some way, you know, so reserves ended up being my way to do it, you know, and um, I mean, there, there, there were a lot of little things that added up to it, but, you know, end of the day, I just looked at, uh, Hey, we, we've got a lot of good stuff here and best country ever. I need to do something to give back and to, to keep it the best country ever. All right. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Hey, make sure you go leave a five-star review on the podcast and then also go check out militarycashflow.com to get access to all the products we have. We have a bunch of great stuff on the website to include um, access to the Facebook group, access to a military cash flow calculator so you can analyze your deals. We have uh, courses, we have all of our social media. We just have a bunch of stuff on there. So go check that out. And with that, Here's a word from our sponsors. You know, I, so it sounds like the uh, the mission trip did a lot for you. I mean, it uh, pretty much uh, changed your thought process and how you see uh, the world. And yeah. um, I, I want to know, since you spent time in South America on that mission trip, right? Did mm -hmm. that have anything to do with you later becoming a, an FAO, a foreign area officer, and especially Absolutely. being in South uh, South America? I mean, that's that's a really unique experience. Yeah, to be a foreign area officer, you have to have three things, you know, a graduate degree, six plus, six plus months, you know, living in a foreign country or foreign area, and a foreign language. And so having served a mission in Chile for two years, I had two of the three knocked out. And the graduate degree is waiverable, you know, so um, fortunately for me, um, I got selected for 
um, the FAO program where they actually send you off to grad school to get the graduate degree. And so what would end up happening with me is when I applied for the foreign area officer program, my application basically said, Hey, look, I'm low risk. I already speak a language. I already have the experience you're looking for. I just don't have a graduate degree. I'm low risk. Select me. You know, I've already got two of the three things. All I need to do is go to school. I'll be able to learn another language. I'll be able to survive overseas, you know, pick me. And they did. And they, they could have assigned me to any region in the world. And fortunately for me, it was Latin America. Um, so I spent two years in Monterey, California, going through Naval Postgraduate School, got the graduate degree. And as a bonus, they sent me to Portuguese language class. So learned Spanish in Chile, learned Portuguese there. And then, you know, um, we PCSed to Rio de Janeiro for a year. I know it was horrible. It was terrible. Oh you know, <laughs> the, the beach was just three blocks away. And, you know, we had to go there a lot because the kids <laughs> wanted to. And no, it was, it was a good year in, in a lot of ways. But uh, so, yeah, that, that very much influenced becoming a foreign area officer later. You know, I had a taste of the culture. You know, I understood the culture. And, um, yeah, when, when that, that, that opportunity presented itself, that was actually the nail in the coffin. That's, that's actually what made me decide that I was going to go 20 years and be a careerist is when they, awesome. they put that in front of me, you know, um, it was three years of school with a five year payback. So, you know, um, it, it was, it took me to my 19 year mark. So I, I think technically I could get out of the Marine Corps right now with no, you know, no obligations, but yeah. Wow. Who does that at their 19 year mark? Yeah. So really quick for our audience listening, um, there are a lot of programs that the yes. military does offer and you've got to take advantage of those programs. You've got to, you've got to, just like we talk about mapping out your life, right? You can still map out your life while in the military by utilizing some of the programs like, um, like Brian's talking about. So that's awesome. So, so we got PB2, uh, Briscoe uh, in, the grad, in the grad program, right? And yeah. uh, he becomes an officer, becomes an officer after September 11th. Where does real estate fall on this? How, how, did, how did that happen? Or where, where did that come from? Around what time did that happen? Can you walk us through that journey? Yeah, so, so my, my dad was a, a post office worker, you know, so he made a decent salary, decent living. Um, you know, until I went to Chile, I thought we grew up poor, you know, because, you know, the kids down the street had a Nintendo and we didn't, you know. Um, you know, I, but, uh, you know, so I, I grew up in, in a middle class home, but my, my dad always told me that I had champagne taste on a beer budget. He's like, you know, you, so I'd always kind of, kind of had the idea that I wanted to make a lot of money, you know, and honestly, part of the reason I went into math is because my uncle told me when I was like 10 years old, the people who are good at math make a lot of money. And so I was like, Psh, math there you go. I'm good at it. But um, I, I think really um, a couple of my friends and I were always talking about ways to make money. And, you know, we're living in an apartment one time. We're like, man, it'd be so awesome to own one of these places because, you know, everybody here is paying $600, you know, and this was like 1990 something, but everyone here is paying like $600 or just many units. These guys must be rolling. But, you know, I, we, we had ideas like that prior to, but I think it was really rich dad, poor dad. You know, I was a, a second lieutenant. I may have even been a first lieutenant. You know, I was on the HSV high-speed vessel between, I remember reading the book, uh, leaving Okinawa, going towards the Philippines. And it was like a 36-hour trip on this big boat, right? And uh, I had Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I had Cashflow Quadrant with me. And I read both of them probably twice, you know, in that time. And that just kind of ignited something. It was just like, you know what? I need to figure out how, I need to figure out how was the answer, you know? And I did what any good service member would do. I started investing in savings bonds, you know? Why? Because there's a savings bond program. All you gotta do is go online, click a couple buttons, and, and there you go. And I invested in the TSP. I'm thinking, great, this is gonna start building things. I started funneling money towards TSP. And I started thinking, you know, that's about as big as I could think at the time. And I started thinking, let's see, what else can I do? I'm like, well, I can, I, if I stay in the, in the Marine Corps, Every time I move, I can buy a house, you know? And so that was my plan. I moved, you know, I PCS back to the States in 2006, um, started looking for a place to buy. Fortunately, you know, I was in San Diego in 2006. Fortunately, I saw the writing on the wall and, you know, prices and, and rent points were like back asswards. You know, so I saw the writing on the wall and I'm like, I'm not buying in San Diego right now. Um, so I bought in Utah. 
And then, you know, a year, that's, that's where I grew up, bought in Utah. A year later, the market crashed, so I bought in San Diego. And I just made it a goal to buy a house everywhere, every time I, I, I PCS'd. Um, so fast forward 10 years, you know, I have a handful of, of single family homes. And, you know, I, I got delayed by a couple of deployments, you know, a couple of overseas tours. Um, I started seeing the light at the end of the tunnel in my Marine Corps career. And what does that mean? It means, you know, the paycheck's going to stop you know, um, and not necessarily stop. It's just, you, you make, you know, a certain amount of money as active duty, you get your BAH, you get your, um, BAS and your other entitlements. Um, but your retirement pay at 20 years is 50% of your base pay only. Right. So I was going to lose, you know, about a hundred thousand dollars in, in annual income, you know? And so, you know, here I am scratching my head on another deployment, you know, with a lot of time on my hand thinking, all right, let's, let's start doing this, this, re, this real estate thing again. Um, I was on a ship. It was a USS Macon Island with the, the 11th Mew. And, you know, I remember every time we had a port call, every time we had anywhere where I could log on to Amazon, I was buying, I was downloading every book on real estate that was, you know, less than $5. You know, if it was less than $5, to buy, buy, buy. And okay, I'd pick one or two books every time that was like 15 to 20 bucks. But I'd go back on the ship and I'll just read them and read and read and read. And you know, I had an audible subscription. So all the, all the, uh, the books I got on audible, you know, I'm in the gym, you know, two hours a day because that's the only thing there is to do on a ship, you know, and got my headphones in everyone else listening to music. You know, I'm listening to, you know, podcast, yep. podcast, <laughs> uh, not podcast at the time, but books, you books, know, just cause right. I, I couldn't, I couldn't refresh the podcast on the ship, you know? So I'd buy four or five books on audible and I'd, I'd listen to them and, you know, I'd go back to my room and I'd sit with my Kindle in my hand and I, I, I'd read the books. So, um, end of the day, I looked at a lot of different strategies. You know, I, I read books on like the subject to lease options. I read books on, you know, house hacking, on how to use 1031 exchanges, on you name it. I read a book about it. Okay. But I think I started gravitating towards multifamily for several reasons. You know, um, number one, everyone needs a place to live. You know, there, there's this thing called shelter that everybody needs. You know, and, and number two, it was, it's something that the people understand, you know, I understand living in apartments and apartment investments because I've lived in an apartment before and I'm willing to bet both of you guys have lived in apartments before. All right. So I could understand it. And the, the third thing is you can scale so much easier than you can with single family. You know, you, you buy 10 single family homes, it's, you know, 10 contracts, it's 10 due diligence periods, it's 10 down payments, you know, it's, it's 10 escrows, it's um, 10 of everything. And now you have 10 roofs and 10 driveways and 10 yards, you know, you buy a 10 plex and it's one contract. It's, you know, one due diligence period. It's one roof. It's one parking lot, you know, so there, there's, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of scale involved. So I realized that I could scale quickly, you know, and, and, when I really committed to going, you know, to hitting real estate hard again, I had about four, I was about my 16 year mark. So it was about three years ago. And I realized I had a, a very finite timeline to, to be able to do it. Um, but, you know, so, so I ended up gravitating towards multifamily, you know, I get off, get off the ship. And I remember one of the books I read mentioned a couple of podcasts, you know, and I literally cut and paste it from my, my Kindle into like my, the, the notes section, my, my Google notes or whatever it was. And like literally the day I got off the ship in, in San Diego, you know, I pull out my phone, get onto Apple podcasts and, you know, Michael Blanc, Rod Cleef, Joe Fairless. I remember those were the three that that, that book recommended. Um, I think Kevin Bupp's podcast was on there too. Um, also good podcast, but you know, his isn't multifamily centric. So pretty soon I stopped listening to that one. Great podcast. Just, you know, I want to be a multifamily guy, but, uh, um, and then it was the same thing. You know, I was either listening to a book on audible, you know, every time I was, uh, riding my motorcycle, you know, to and from work, I had my headphones in and I was listening to, to a podcast or to a book, you know, every time I was in the gym, every time I was running, every time I was, was doing anything where I could put those earphones in and listen, that's what I was doing, you know, and I'd get at home at night and, you know, take my phone out and I'd start looking at properties, you know, so it was just, um, that, that was the, the education phase trying to figure out, okay, 
know, is this really what I want to get into and understanding pros and cons of everything. So yeah, this and this right here, guys, is the military journey to apartment investing. And yeah. uh, one of the things that you said earlier on um, that we didn't really touch on was that the reason you kind of pursued the Marine aspect or the service aspect was because you were trying to become a more whole person, a more complete mm -hmm. person. And so now you have the education background, right? Now you have the service background, and now it was securing that financial background through real estate and other means. Yeah. And so like, this is a huge aspect that I think um, we don't touch enough, not only here on the podcast, but in the service, we don't touch enough on, on being a, a whole person, being complete, being satisfied with yourself emotionally, spiritually, if you have it, financially, personally. I mean, there's a lot to it, but it's a beautiful way how you, you started off one sector and you're gradually building upon this as you continue. And I'm sure you have, you have many more things that you plan to improve on um, mm -hmm. as you continue this journey. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think a lot of times we don't focus on, and I've caught my, I've, I've fell, fallen into this trap many times where you focus on your current job. Yes. You know, you focus on being better at being, you know, a foreign area officer. You focus at being better at an infantry officer or an infantry Marine or, you know, whatever the army calls them, you know, uh, infantry guys, you know, um, sorry, army. Um, but you know, we, we focus on that because it's, it's what's immediate and you know, we, we miss the forest because of the, the trees, you know? So, um, anyway, I, yeah, I, I think, and I, I've, I've made a concerted effort to look at a lot of different areas of my life and try to improve those and, you know, work on the person more than, making the person better for the job that I'm fitting in. Yeah. Cause they, they actually pretty much run hand in hand. Actually, when you make a more complete person, when you make a, a, a just a good person in general, you work on becoming a good person. It in turn breeds a good soldier or a good Marine or good, whatever, you know, sometimes working on just a good Marine or a good soldier doesn't translate into a good person. So right. that's, that's a key point. One thing I would like to talk about is um, on your military apartment investing journey is the actual sequence that you went, right? So mm -hmm. we, you hear the blueprint all the time. We talk about uh, starting with education first, and that's exactly what he did. Started with education, started reading, uh, paying attention to uh, the audible, right? A lot of people will talk, a lot of people out there will say, I don't have time to read or I don't have time to do this. I mean, listen to what he just said. He reads the audible when he's driving, when he's in the gym, when he's running, you know, all those times that you're not really doing too much, that you're just doing, you're listening to music, you need to be replacing that with stuff that's putting information into your head so that you can then go and utilize that information to, you know, build cash flow or create wealth for yourself. So we taught her with the education. And then right after that, you chose a niche, right? Mm -hmm. You could have went, you said Kevin Bupp, and I think he usually talks about uh, mobile home, mobile parks, home right? parks. Yeah. So, so, <clears throat> so you chose a niche. You said, Hey, I'm going to stick with Michael Blanc, freaking Joe Fairless and, mm -hmm. and Rod Cleef. Um, who, who all focus on pretty much just the apartment syndications. And then you, you went there and then you started taking the action. You, you go online, you're looking at properties, you know, and then eventually we're about to talk about some of the deals you've actually done. So, I mean, mm -hmm. that, that's, that's the blueprint right there. The yeah. education, the niche, and then, hey, take action. That's what it is. Yeah, I think um, out, of, out of all of those, the, the action is, yes. is the most important. You know, take the action and, and you learn more from taking action than you do from reading. You know, I learned more about the apartment investing journey, you know, putting offers out and, you know, talking to brokers than I did listening to a hundred podcasts, you know, so you can listen to a hundred podcasts about doing something, but actually doing it is a whole different story. So yeah, I think taking action is, is absolutely crucial. Yeah. They say the best, the best education is what you, you know, what you learn in the streets, right? When you lose that first deal and that $20,000, that's probably the best tuition yep. you've ever paid. Absolutely. But, but go ahead and tell us about your first uh, big, big syndication, or I'm sorry, your big deal apartments, right? So what yep. did that look like? What did that first deal look like? And then kind of talk, you know, where did it take you from there? How did it grow? Yeah. So, so the first deal, um, I, I decided that, you know, when, when I moved to, to DC, you know, it was uh, 2018. Um, I, I was you know, looking at maybe three year horizon when I, when I was going to retire and I realized that I wanted to accelerate. You know, I, I wanted to be able to um, guarantee success, so 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 to speak. You know, so I started looking into a lot of coaching programs, and I bought into the Michael Blanc coaching program. You know, and um, it it worked extremely well for me. Um, you know, I had somebody looking over my shoulder all the time. You kind of helped me focus on the right things. You know, I think that's absolutely crucial 
um, is, is focusing on the right things. You know, I think when I started, you know, I was getting onto LoopNet, you know, which is the commercial real estate thing and, you know, putting the multifamily filter on and just looking all over the place. Oh, there's a lot of them available in Memphis. So I'd look at a couple in Memphis and then I'd look at it again, kind of screw, you know, scroll out. Oh, Hey, look, Chattanooga has some, Oh, Hey, look, you know, there's some in Georgia. Hey, there's some in Wisconsin. Hey, there's some in Arizona, you know? Um, and that wasn't working out well. My, my, my mentor, you know, helped me focus on the right things. He's like, no, pick one area, you know, maybe two, you know? So he, he got me focusing on the right things. And um, the other thing that uh, the Michael Blanc coaching program comes with is he's got a huge following, you know, lots of people who are in his, his, uh, his groups, you know? So I was able to meet a lot of other people who are trying to do the same thing that I was. And, you know, one of them, Eric Shirley, was, was very active in, you know, one of Michael Blanc's uh, groups. And I noticed, you know, it's, we, we use an app called Slack. A lot of people are familiar with it. But in the profile, if you have your phone number in there, it show, you know, it'll show everybody your phone number. So, you know, I, I was chatting with him a couple times on Slack and, you know, commenting on his posts and whatnot. And one day I just tapped on his profile and he's got an 803 area code. I'm like, that's Columbia, South Carolina. You know, that's where my wife's from. And that was the area that I had decided on focusing on. It was, was South Carolina. So I called him or I texted. I don't remember. I texted him or I called him, but we, we started talking a lot and, Hey, we're interested in the same thing. And, you know, a couple of weeks later we realized, you know, we kept on talking. We realized that we were talking to the same brokers and we were actually chasing the same deals, you know, and Eric said, Hey, Brian, let's not compete. Let's collaborate. I thought, great idea. You know, the, the entire time, you know, from the beginning, I knew I needed to find partners. You know, I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it myself. You know, so I was looking for partners and, you know, that, that's why I was networking with people and talking with so many people and, and, and engaged in the community as much as I could be um, because I was looking for a partner. And he said, hey, let's, let's collaborate. And yeah, so we started collaborating. You know, we, we put offers in together. We, uh, you know, we, we would share notes, you know, I'd, and at the time, you know, I was talking to two or three brokers. He was talking to two or three brokers. And, you know, I was talking to one or two, one broker that he was, and he was talking to one broker that I wasn't. And so at times we'd get different deals, you know, and we'd come to the table and say, hey, and we'd, we'd share notes. We'd both do research. We'd come back together on the phone. And, uh, you know, long story short, we finally got something under contract. You know, it took several months um, and, you know, probably a dozen offers, but we, we got something under contract. And it was a 55 unit Spartanburg, South Carolina um, value add prod project. Um, we kind of looked at what we had between the, the three of us. Actually, I haven't mentioned Brian Mallon, but Eric had already partnered with Brian Mallon. And, you know, when we started talking about collaborating, you know, he said, hey, by the way, if you're partnering with me, you're also partnering with Brian. Um, you know, turns out Brian's a, a great guy, very talented as well. Um, so we, we got that under contract and we sat down, we started looking at, you know, what, what we needed to do to get it across the finish line. And, you know, we realized we, we could probably use a little bit of help with some things and certain areas. And Eric introduced me to a guy named Todd Butler. Um, Todd also was in the Michael Blanc coaching program. And that was the beginning of Four Oaks Capital. You know, we didn't realize it at the time. At the time it was four guys that were, you know, trying to get a deal across the finish line. But, you know, after a couple of months of, you know, twice weekly phone calls, um, somebody suggested, hey, let's, let's just commit to each other. Let's, let's do this. Let's, let's become a company. Let's, let's be exclusive. We've been dating for a couple of months. Let's tie the knot, you know? So, um, yeah. And, and Forks Capital uh, was born. Uh, so uh, I think that, that was probably the most significant thing about that first deal not the first deal itself, but I think the most significant thing was, you know, Forks Capital came together and, you know, all four of us were, were roughly the same age. You know, I think the youngest is 39 and the oldest is 40 something. I'm not going to say uh, 40 something is <laughs> good enough. Um, and, you know, we all have the same, same goals, same aspirations. Um, we're all making approximately the same salary right now too, you know? So um, we have the same amount of income that we want to replace and, um, we're all on the same rough timeline of where we want to get rid of our, our W2 jobs. So, you know, I, I think the stars aligned with that. And so, yeah, we, we, we got that deal across the finish line. I mean, um, there, there's a lot of unicorns and roses on podcasts like this. Um, I mean, 
I'll be honest, it was, you know, a, a steep dirt path with lots of switchbacks and thorns on the side, you know, it, it, it's not unicorns and roses, but you know, we, we got it done. Um, and we went on to the next one. So, um, to that, to that point real quick, did, did, was out of all four of you, was that the first apartment deal that any of you had in, have done? It was the first deal as general partners, you know, so, you know, limited partners for, yes. for people who don't know, limited partners invest passively. So they provide money. The general partners are basically doing all the work. So between the four of us, we, we had invested passively in a half a dozen par- apartment deals, you know, roughly 800 units. Um, so different levels of experience and every single one of us had, you know, a single family home portfolio of some sort. You know, I ended up selling my single family homes off to be able to, you know, invest in our, my own deals or our own deals. Um, you know, and it's not cheap getting into to multifamily. I mean, a, a lot of people, anybody who's bought a single family home understands there's, there's an earnest money deposit, you know, and for single family industry standard is about 1% of the purchase price. Well, guess what? It's the same standard for multifamily. So, you know, we had a $4 million purchase price. I wrote a $40,000 check, you know, and that, that fortunately I, I had the cash sitting in the bank because we had just sold one of our properties, but you know, it's, it's something where, where you need to be able to come to the game prepared and having those single family houses for you know, 10 years and, you know, allowing them to appreciate, you know, gave me what I needed to be able to jump in the game. All right. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Hey, make sure you go leave a five-star review on the podcast and then also go check out militarycashflow.com to get access to all the products we have. We have a bunch of great stuff on the website to include um, access to the Facebook group, access to a military cash flow calculator so you can analyze your deals. We have uh, courses. We have all of our social media. We just have a bunch of stuff on there. So go check that out. And with that, Here's a word from our sponsors. And so one of the things I really want to highlight there is all of you guys had similar experience levels, mm-hmm. similar income levels, similar age levels. And you guys started three years ago. So for anybody who out there thinks, hey, you know what? I can't start now. It's way too late. Hey, I can't, I can't start this journey now. It's way too three years, three years at the tail mm-hmm. end of their career that they, you know, that they flourished in. So it's, it's as long as you put your mind to it and you actually come together and you have actionable steps, you have partners to leverage some of those weaknesses. Maybe you're not the task oriented guy. Maybe you're the visionary, right? Maybe you're not the spreadsheet guy, you know, vice versa. So that's a beautiful aspect that uh, I think many people uh, have oversight. It was actually two years ago that we met. It was three years ago that I started the the start of the program, but two years ago that that we met, uh, it was late 2018 that I met Eric Shirley. Wow. Um, Man, and it was, it was 2019 <laughs> when I met, uh, Todd, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's once you put your mind to it and once you get some momentum, once you're, you're, you're pushing that ball, I mean, the ball just starts rolling faster and faster, you know? So, um, there, there is, you know, if, if you're looking at the ball analogy, you know, it's almost like, um, that Greek character that's pushing the boulder up the hill, you know? Um, in the Greek mythology, every day he has to push it back up, but we're, we're going to change that a little bit. You know, you're pushing the boulder up the hill at the very beginning, but once you get to the top, you know, you can go down the other side and that ball is going to pick up momentum and it's going to roll, you know? So there, there's a lot of heavy lifting, getting that boulder up over the first hump. So once you get over that first hump, you know, you get some momentum and it's easier to find new properties you've got a track record of being able to close. So now brokers actually want to talk to you instead of, you know, giving you the Heisman. Um, that's probably the best analogy I can think of off the top of my head is, you know, you're, you're pushing that boulder up the hill up front. And then once you crest it, it just, it rolls by itself. Now was, was that the, uh, I guess, decisive point for you that, that one deal, that first deal that, um, the 55 unit, cause we talk about the momentum, you know, talk about, you know, it's pretty tough getting up that hill and you said it wasn't all roses and unicorns at first. Right. So yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of things that you learn, but after you got that deal and now you have, um, uh, brokers wanting to talk to you because they know that you can close, mm-hmm. uh, was that, was that really the, you know, the point that kind of pushed you over the hill or was it a couple more after that? That's, that's probably where we were, you know, cresting the hill, you know? Um, yeah. And I think from, from the beginning, you know, one apartment deal is not going to set, set anybody up for life, make somebody financially free. So we, we had intended on, you know, purchasing many, 
you know, I think that the goal was, you know, three to four per year um, is what we're trying to do. And, you know, so at the end of the day, once, once you have a, a track record, once you, once the brokers know you can close, because I mean, here, here's the deal. I think a lot of people understand a single family home. You know, if, if you get on a phone call with a realtor, all right, I don't care who you are. That realtor is going to ask two questions. Okay. They might be nice about it. They might be directing up front. Question number one, have you been pre-qualified by a bank? Okay. And question number two is where's your down payment coming from? They're going to ask those two questions every single time because they don't want to waste time. They're paid on commission. All right. They're not hourly wages, wage earners. They're, they're paid on commission. So if they can't close a deal with you, they don't want to waste their time. So those two questions are their vetting. You know, so if you don't have a pre-approval letter, they're going to say, okay, stop right there, get a pre-approval letter, come back, and then we'll know what we're dealing with. We'll know what your price range is. And if you don't have funds for a down payment, you know, that's another red flag to them. And they're going to say, okay, save up some money, figure out how to get your down payment, and then come back. It's the same thing in commercial. You know, it's the same thing. They're going to ask, you know, where's the money coming from? Okay. Have you talked to broker? Have you talked to some, you know, loan brokers? You know, what type of loan are you looking at for this property? You know, and oh, by the way, where's your down payment coming from? And instead of talking about 10, 20, 30,000, like you would for a single family house, you know, now you're, you're talking about 25% of 4 million. You know, we had to put more than a million down on our, our first close, you know, so, so the, the questions are now, you know, where, where are you going to come up with a million dollars for your down payment? And, you know, do you have what it takes to get a loan at a bank? You know, so once, once you've actually closed on a property, the brokers know that you can amass a large amount of money to be able to purchase and you can qualify for a loan, you know? And so that, that's kind of the, the, the big thing is once you have that first property under your, your belt, you know, you don't have to convince the brokers to work with you. Okay. You just tell the brokers, Hey, you know, we have 168 units, four apartment buildings. You know, we've raised a total of $4 million in the last year. Um, I'm closer to five right now, but uh, you know, we want to look at an apartment building that's somewhere between this, this amount and this amount. And the broker is going to be like, okay, here's what I got. And, and, and I'm gonna, it's different. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to speak from, ex, uh, from experience. You're exactly right. Um, when I have a client come to me and they say, Hey, you know, whatever. I'm like, great. You know, show me all those items. And as soon as they close, they now become on my short list. I now send them they're, they're my pocket listings, you know, uh, email campaign. So that's exactly right. Getting that first one is so crucial because it gives you that sense of accomplishment. It's that, it's that belief check, right? That belief result that you said, Hey, I, I can actually make something of this. And it's also your credibility for anybody else in the industry. Yeah, no, that, that's so true. I mean, and, and I mean, you wouldn't believe brokers who wouldn't give me the time of day prior to, you know, and there, there's a couple of them. There, there's two in particular, you know, one of them that gave me a 15 minute, you know, I had to come to his office. You know, he wouldn't meet me. I, I offered to, you know, buy him coffee or lunch or something. And he's like, no, just come to my office. You know, so I had to go to him and he gave me 15 minutes on the dot. You know, meeting started at 10 o'clock and at 1014, he was wrapping up. You know, he never emailed me after that, never returned my calls, you know, evidently, you know, I did not pass his, his test of what, um, you know, what uh, of a viable buyer, you know, and on, on, on the same trip that I was on trying to network with brokers, you know, I called another guy who literally told me I get, I get 20 calls like this from people like you all the time. I can't spend 15 minutes with everybody that calls me, you know, and both of those brokers have sold us deals now. And that's, it feels good. Like, yeah, that's like motivation. That's motivation when somebody like doesn't give you the time of day. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to be honest because, because you're exactly right, Brian. I mean, as a broker, we only get paid on commission. So, you know, we can only give so much of our time. I mean, it just is what it is. We have to feed our families. We have to pay our bills, but that's exactly right. Brian was able to take that, that essentially that no and take it as motivation. Like, okay, challenge accepted. All right. That knocked it out the park. And now, now he's shortlisted on their list. So, that's how you guys got to do it. Yeah. And we, we were very close to closing on our first property and I emailed one of these brokers back, you know, I just said, Hey, you may or may not remember me. You know, you didn't give me the time of day. I didn't say that, but like we met, you know, for 15 minutes back in March, Mike, since we've talked, we've raised, you know, this amount of money and we're about a week away from closing on this property. And all of a sudden, 
he, he was contacting us. All of a sudden, he was pushing information to us. He was answering our calls. Now we had his cell phone number. And, you know, we're texting him. He's texting back. So, you know, that's, that's the difference. And, you know, we went from, you know, maybe a bunch of jokers who think they can make it to these guys are the real deal. They can raise money. They can close. So I'm going to spend time with these guys. Yeah. Hey, that's, that's an awesome story. Awesome journey. So we talked about the military apartment investing journey, right? So what was your, what was your next deal after that? What did that, I mean, we're gaining momentum now and we're learning. We mm -hmm. actually, before we do that, what are some things that we learned out of that, that first one? We saw not all roses and unicorns, right? So what are some of those, what did some of those thorns look like for you? You know, we, we learned that the, the lending environment can change on a dime, you know, and that, that, that was kind of one of the biggest learning points is, uh, we, we were supposed to close um, August of last year, you know, so um, actually this time last year, we we're supposed to close. And if you guys remember, if you don't, you can Google it, but Fannie and Freddie have, you know, lending caps that they, they cannot exceed. They're, they're federally governed programs, you know, kind of a private public venture, but they have a certain amount of money that, that they cannot go over. And both Fannie and Freddie started approaching these caps and, you know, President Trump tweeted about it. There was, you know, a lot of articles out at the time saying Fannie and Freddie are dangerously close to their caps. And so what did they do? They artificially hiked up their interest rate by, you know, one and a quarter percent. You know, so we, we were getting quoted, you know, 3.7 to 3.9% on our debt. And in a very short period of time, that rate went to five, 5 5.1, 5.2, you know, so. Um, yeah, so it was, it was huge. Um, Anyway, uh, that, that's one thing we learned is, you know, we, we have to put a little more fluff in, you know, so if we think we can get a 4% interest rate, we probably ought to underwrite a four and a half, you know, or, or something like that. Um, and same thing with raising money, you know, the, 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 the lender cut our proceeds on the first because the rate went up, it changed all of our ratios, you know, and, you know, when, when the ratios change, your proceeds change, you know, so you know, we thought we were getting, you know, 3.3 million in proceeds. And in a week that 3.3 went to 2.7, you know, and that's, that's a big change, you know, so our raise went from, you know, $1.4 million raise to a $2 million raise, you know, and that was, that changed in the course of a week. So, um, you know, I, I think the biggest, biggest learning point there was, you know, always try to raise more than you think you need. Um, always put a little extra, a little extra fluff in in your underwriting i love it so all right so how did what how uh so so you got those great lessons learned all right you got the first 55 in spartanburg south carolina locked up tell us about the next one and maybe the next one and kind of like the journey to where you at or where you are right now yeah so the, the next one um was actually a smaller property and like i said it, i reached out to this this broker and said hey what do you got um, and we told him what we were looking for. We wanted something, you know, 50 to 80 units. And he came back and he says, I don't have anything 50 to 80 units right now. I do have this little 32 unit that uh, needs a lot of work, you know, and I, I passed it to Eric. Eric is our acquisitions guy, you know, so we, we decided that he would be 100% in charge of the acquisitions train. And so I passed the deal to Eric and, and I explained, Hey, I met this broker in March, you know, he's with one of the big brokerages. Um, and this property doesn't really meet our criteria. It's a little too small for us, but why don't you go out and look at it um, and at least start to develop a relationship with the broker. And, you know, Eric said, fine. You know, he, uh, he traveled to Columbia. He lives in, in Wilmington, North Carolina. You know, his, his parents live in Columbia. So, you know, he, he went to Columbia. He looked at the deal. And a couple of days later, he got back to me. He's like, dude, these numbers are hot. You know, these numbers are hot. Um, we, we purchased it for 700 after all the credits, about 750, 32 unit, 750,000. The guy we bought it for purchased the, the apartment complex for 800,000 in 2004. So 16 years afterwards, we're paying $30,000 less, you know, or $50,000 less. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the story on this one, it, it was rough. It was at about 65% occupancy. Um, and since we've taken it over, we've kicked a couple people out. Um, it's a section eight project-based housing, you know, so, you know, we, we have to, we, we can only put, you know, section eight vouchers into the, the project. Um, so 
basically it was in rough condition. We're renovating it right now. Um, we're in the process right now to get the Columbia Housing Authority out to do the, the final inspections. And, you know, by the end of the month, you know, we're going to start putting new people in. So, like I said, when, when we bought it, it was 60% occupied. Right now, we're really close to that 50% mark. Um, we've put, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars in it already, and we've got a couple hundred thousand dollars left to, to put in it. You know, we're doing the siding on the outside. We're, we're doing a lot of interior work, um, you know, making it a safer place, you know, exterior lighting. You know, we've also put a fence around it to keep, you know, people from, from you know, walking through. So, you know, a lot of, oh, and air conditioning is probably the biggest thing. We're putting central air into, into everything. And South Carolina in the summer, you need central air, you know, and I, I can't believe people would, would rent something, you know, in, in South Carolina in the summer without central air. So, you know, and that, that bill by itself was like 110,000 for, you know, 32 central air units. But so that, that's, that's the goal. Um, and, you know, Columbia Housing Agency or Authority, Housing Authority, CHA, um, they're, they're promising us that, you know, as soon as we're through the, the last round of inspections, um, that they're going to open up a list of people and we're going to have, you know, a list of 40 people to try to fill, you know, 15 nice. units. So, nice. um, that, that was deal number two. Um, so deal, deal number one was a portfolio. It was actually two apartments, you know, one was a 16, one was a 39. So total of 55 units. Deal number two is 33 units. Um, Deal number three was 80 units. Um, that was uh, a two and a half million dollar purchase price. You know, we raised, you know, 1.2 and change for that. I think 1.25 million for that one. Um, 80 unit, 72 were, were physically occupable. You could actually occupy, you could rent them out. Um, and eight of them, you know, eight of them were, were not, you could not put tenants in there. You know, some of them were torn completely down to the studs, you know, and the ones that were torn down to the studs, you know, didn't have the sink, didn't have like the air handlers or, or anything else on the inside. And, and some of them had the copper piping actually taken out. Apparently that's a thing. Um, a lot of people know that is a thing, but uh, so that, you know, the, the play on that one was to go in, fix those eight units up and, you know, we're, we're almost done with a couple of them. Um, we closed on that one about two months ago. So, you know, the property manager's been really good at getting those projects underway. Um, we've got a significant CapEx budget. You know, we're going to um, do the exterior siding. You know, we're going to repair some of the roofs. We're going to add, you know, a, a playground. It's 80 units and there's a lot of kids there, you know, and there's some wide open grassy areas. And we're like, you know, what would go good right here. A playground, you know, uh, put it in like barbecue pits, picnic tables, you know, make it a little more of a community. Um, you know, uh, landscaping exteriors and the, the previous owner had, had upgraded some of the interiors, you know, I, I think he'd upgraded 20 out of the 80, you know, so we're going to go in and we're going to upgrade the rest, you know, so bring everything up to roughly the same standard, you know, we'll be able to, to raise rents, you know, across the board, uh, significantly. It was, it was trailing market rents by, by quite a bit when we purchased it. And, uh, we're also taking the utilities that the owner used to pay and we're pushing that to the tenants as well. You know, so, um, and, and that's, that's what most operators in South Carolina are doing right now. You know, if, if the tenants aren't already paying for it, you know, there, there's, it's, it's, it's what's happening in the market. So it's not like we're, you know, trying to gouge anybody, but the rest of the market is, is charging tenants for, for utilities, you know, so we're starting to charge 30, 40 bucks a month for water and sewer, depending on where the asset is. And, you know, if it's a one bedroom or a two bedroom and how many bathrooms, but, you know, so we're adding about $40 a month per unit at that complex, just in the utility hike. Um, and then there, there's a lot of, a lot of units there that have been rented out for five or eight or 10 years. You know, they just haven't had big, big hikes, you know, so um, basically, you know, bringing everything up to the same condition so that everything's getting the same rents. So we don't have 400 in one unit and then 650 in another, but, uh, um, so that was the last one we closed on. Uh, we got one more under contract and, you know, um, that's, 
also in South Carolina, and it's it's moving along swimmingly right now. All right, so we're going to go ahead and take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Hey, make sure you go leave a five-star review on the podcast, and then also go check out militarycashflow.com to get access to all the products we have. We have a bunch of great stuff on the website to include um, access to the Facebook group, access to a military cash flow calculator so you can analyze your deals. We have uh, courses. We have all of our social media. We have a bunch of stuff on there so go check that out and with that here's a word from our sponsors guys that's that's four properties 168 units right in less than 10 oh sorry two years yeah i was about to say 10, yeah. less than two years yeah. that's insane that is yeah. a military apartment investment journey i love yeah. it i love it so I want to touch on a couple of things really quick, right? Uh, you mentioned it a couple of times throughout this uh, throughout this episode, and we talked about the power of leverage, right? Um, so there's pretty much three different types of leverage, like a trifecta, right? You have you can leverage people, you can leverage systems, and you can leverage money. And yep. you've covered all three of them, right? We talked about leveraging people. You found your team in Four Oaks Capital. You got your acquisitions guy doing this. You got you doing this. You got another person doing this. You guys are all collectively working together as one to accomplish one single goal. Probably you probably took a little bit of uh, the military experience when you know mm -hmm. you brought that together as well. The, the whole teamwork aspect, leveraging your systems. You talked about just like you said, you have a guy that literally does acquisitions, right? You guys have a system in place for how you are finding your deals, how you're financing your deals, and you're, you're staying in one community, which enables you to uh, take advantage of economies of scale that you talked about, right? Yep. Um, and then you're leveraging your money. You talked about your capital raises, right? You're doing syndications. So I just think uh, as you got, if you're listening out there, as you're doing this, even if you're doing it on a smaller scale, when you're talking about just your single families, if you're trying to build a single family portfolio, Think of those three things. We want to work on our business, not in our business. And how do we do that? We do that by leveraging people, yeah. by leveraging systems, and by leveraging money. I think that was phenomenal. Yeah, and, and one, one thing to mention, I mean, we, we've had investors put, you know, $4 million in with us so far. And, you know, we're, we're getting close to that $5 million mark with the raise we're on right now. But, you know, the, the, the other side of that is, you know, we're offering them ownership. You know, they're getting a lot of the benefits of the real estate. Um, without any of the work, you know, so we're doing all the work and, you know, they're getting a lot of the rewards. I mean, we couldn't do it without the money, you know, so it's, it's one of those things where they're all also leveraging us, you know, so yes, you know, as a passive investor, you know, if, if you, if somebody has, you know, 50, 80, hundred grand to, to put into something like that, they're now leveraging my time and my partner's time because, you know, we have these systems in place, you know, we know how to underwrite, we know how to, to, to manage the, the do construction management on the back end. We know how to manage the asset, manage the managers. Um, and for somebody who may want to have the benefits of real estate, but doesn't have the time or the ability, but has the money, you know, that's where they can turn around and leverage people like us who do syndications and get the benefits of real estate investing without having to spend the time. Symbiotic relationships, you know, the is. wave going on. It absolutely <laughs> is. Yeah, man. It, so uh, let, we're starting to wrap it up here. Um, got two questions actually, right? Okay. So the first one is, how has your military experience helped you in uh, throughout your your uh, apartment, your military apartment investing journey? You know, I, I would say just the idea of this mission accomplishment. You know, uh, I think from from the very beginning, you know, the every service has a slightly different way of of, of phrasing it, but you know, Marine Corps puts mission accomplishment number one. And troop welfare is number two, you know, and in that order, you know, you, you accomplish the mission number one. So, you know, I came into it with a, here is my mission. Here is my timeline. There is no other way, you know, there is no option to do something else. So in a way I kind of burned, burned the boats, you know, I'm not looking for another job. You know, I, I am doing the transition readiness seminar or whatever it's called um, because it's required of me and they're not going to let me retire without it. But, you know, I'm not looking for a job. You know, I'm not going to trade my uniform for a business suit and go back and work at the Pentagon like a lot of other people do. You know, so I, I think the, the, the mission accomplishment thing, you know, works well. The other thing that I would say, and um, I actually had a podcast episode about this go out just today. Um, yeah, by the way, I have a podcast too. But it was funny you mentioned it. The, the title of it was like Military Lessons Learned Translated Department Investing. But you know, we talk about the fog of war and how, 
you know, we are making decisions as warfighters based off of minimal information, you know, and we don't wait until we have, you know, a clear picture before we act, you know, so um, I, I think getting used to acting without all the information in, in a military environment in military training or, you know, in combat scenarios is really good for apartment investing because you never have all the information. There's always something there and you do the best you can to mitigate risk. Just like in, in operation, operational planning, you do the best you can to mitigate all the risks, get, to, get your risk down to a comfortable level or to an acceptable level and you push, you know? So that's really how we, we handle our apartment investing is you know, we get to a point to where we have enough information that we know it's a good deal and we put an offer in, you know, and once we get that offer accepted, you know, we have a 30 day due diligence period to find out more and more and more and more. So, you know, we, we were, we're comfortable not knowing everything up front. Um, and of course we've underwritten, you know, hundreds of properties. So we, we know what to expect by now. So uh, yeah, end of the day, I think that's probably the biggest thing operating in uncertainty and just taking action and accomplishing the mission. That'll, yeah, that'll just really. Yeah. Oh no, I was really, gonna say that that rolls into. <laughs> that's what really the, quick, the problem with Zoom, really guys. For, yeah. Really quick plug for you: uh, it's the diary of an apartment investing journey. If you are the diary of an of an apartment investor, wow, I messed that's up, it. Though. Yeah, diary of an apartment uh, investor. Talks about we're gonna we're gonna talk more about it uh, here in the last thing during the plug. But it's a, it's an awesome podcast. It goes over a lot of um, simple things that that. I think uh, a lot of people don't know, especially as you're trying to learn, you explain like NOI, explain, explain like what cap rate is, explain mm -hmm. all these, these things um, that, that we should know as investors, right? And I think that's, yep. uh, that's phenomenal. But we're, we'll talk a little bit more about that here, here in a second. I'm sorry, go ahead, Mike. Yep. Just wanted to give you a quick clip. Yeah, I was just going to say, man, you had a great segue in talking about the fog of war and taking action. And ultimately, the next question is, if you had one piece of advice, to give to either a new, uh, let's say a new recruit to the military services or somebody yep. just starting their investment journey, what would it be? You know, learn as much as you can and immediately put it into action. You know, that, that's really the difference between, you know, people who do, who, you know, accomplish things in this business and don't is you, you have to put things into action quickly. Um, and the other thing is, you know, there, there's a lot of people who say, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. I work at the Pentagon, you know, I mean, pre COVID I was sitting on, you know, uh, a train for almost three hours a day going to and from work, you know, so look at the time you have and try to try to figure out when you can, you can find extra time. You know, I bought an iPad so that I could sit on the, the Metro and actually work on my apartment investing while I was going to and from, I save files to the iPad. I wouldn't have, you know, service underground, but you know, I would, read books. I would, I would do every, I would basically, basically looked for every white space in, in my time. You know, looked at my habits, looked at what I was doing just to be able to fully use all that time better, you know? So, um, yeah, learn, manage your time a little better and take action. Definitely. That's perfect. Hey, so, uh, the, how can our listeners find out more about you? Uh, can you let us know some of the great, great things and, uh, that you're offering out there? So yep. our listeners know. So the, the podcast is the, the easiest way to learn more about us. You know, it's called diary of an apartment investor. Like you mentioned, we have two types of episode. One is called a multifamily briefing. And you, you mentioned exactly what we do there. We explain aspects of, of multifamily. The other one is called ask the expert where we bring an experienced investor and an aspiring investor on each show. And, you know, at the end, the last 10 or 15 minutes, the aspiring investor is asking questions. It, it's basically, you know, mentorship by podcast, you know, so they're, they're asking the experienced investor questions about, you know, what they should do to, you know, to take their, their personal journey to the next step. So, you know, I'm really excited about it. Uh, you know, got, got a lot of, you know, solid reviews and, um, it's only been out, let's see, uh, as, as we record, um, you know, a month and a half, but uh, by the time this airs, you know, you're probably be three months old. So, you know, by the time you hear this, there's going to be lots of great episodes and, uh, you know, it's a little different, you know, two people, an aspiring investor and experienced investor on every podcast. Um, and then your website is called fouroakscapital.com. So I think that's probably the best way to, to find us. Um, if you want more information about the podcast, go to forexcapital.com and put a slash and type podcast in. And that's the podcast homepage. So yeah, 
listen to the podcast, go to our website and you know, my contact information is plastered all over. So, you know, I, there's probably three points in each podcast where I give my email address out, you know, podcast web notes have my email address. I'm sure the show notes for this one will have my email address, you know, but uh, reach out and contact me. All right, guys. So uh, look out for Ask the Expert by Military yeah. Cashflow coming up. Uh, no, I'm playing. <laughs> it's like yeah. we're going to steal that idea. <laughs> you know, I, I've had a couple people reach out to me and say, hey, I like, you. I like how you're doing it. Uh, can nice. you give me some tips on how to do it? You know, I'm just like, oh, God. Yeah. All right, sure, you know, but uh, no, it's it's a definitely a, a unique yeah. approach to it. Imitation is so. the highest form of flattery. Yep. So good. Exactly. Hey, so Brian, thanks so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate you sharing your story and uh, your military apartment investing journey. Uh, is just love the whole entire whole entire story. Make sure if you're listening to this, go ahead and rewind this a couple times. Uh, there's a lot of nuggets in here, especially while you're going through that you can, you can use for your personal um, journey as well. So thanks so much for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You know, and you know, I, I, I love the military community. You know, I mean, I, I've been in it for 20 years myself. So, you know, very, very happy to, to talk to any of the listeners out here. You know, just let me know, Hey, you know, I heard you on military cash flow, and you know, we'll start a conversation. Excellent. Hey, so for uh, those guys out there that are listening on podcasts, make sure you leave us a five-star review. Appreciate that. Uh, if you're listening, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you comment below, like, share, subscribe. We really appreciate that. Um, also, we have a Facebook group. It's an awesome Facebook group, a military cash flow Facebook group, uh, where we have a couple, I don't know, like 1,500 or so <laughs> uh, service members on there that are, are helping each other build wealth and grow cash flow. I believe Brian's in the group as well. Yep. So uh, make sure, you know, you pick, you can pick, ask a question and I'm sure Brian will go on there and, uh, and, and answer, especially if it's about this episode. So um, yeah, come join the group. It's all free knowledge. We're giving out free game. Uh, just to help other people out. So yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And as always, guys, if you guys are in your market, but you're not exactly sure where to start and you're looking for a realtor out there that understands your, your strategy, understands your uh, investment goals, um, let us know, you know, and we'll help you find a broker and pair you up there. We'll, we'll vet them, make sure that they understand exactly what your intents are and then pass along the information. So, that. All right. And with that, this is Dan Wynn and Mike Glaspie signing off.